Listening Society, a podcast dedicated to suspense, crime, and horror stories from the golden age of radio. I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. We love mysterious old-time radio stories, but do they stand the test of time? That's what we're here to find out. Today, we return to the listener library for a recommendation by our mysterious listener and Patreon supporter, Brooke. Brooke writes, Hello, mysterious hosts. I'm a huge suspense fan, especially the Roma Wine Years. I'd love to hear your analysis of The Diary of Sophronia Winters. It's considered by many to be a classic, but will it stand the test of time, or will the morals leaders rip it apart? I'll stay tuned. Keep fighting the good fight, and until next time, look out! Radio's Outstanding Theater Thrills premiered June 16th, 1942, with an adaptation of John Dixon Carr's famous locked room mystery, The Burning Court. Carr adapted the novel himself and provided all but one of the scripts for the program's debut season. The exception was episode four, The Hitchhiker, by the one and only Lucille Fletcher. In 1943, the network commissioned Fletcher to write two more plays for suspense, The Diary of Sophronia Winters and Sorry Wrong Number, both of which starred Mercury Theater alum Agnes Moorhead. The latter became a runaway hit, inspiring a film adaptation starring Barbara Stanwyck and forever cementing Fletcher's reputation as a writer of -of edge-of-your-seat thrillers. Despite being overshadowed by Sorry Wrong Number, The Diary of Sophronia Winters was popular enough to be performed two more times on Suspense. Once in 1944 with Moorhead and co-star Ray Collins reprising the roles from the year before, and again in 1958 with Mercedes McCambridge and Carl Swenson. And now let's listen to The Diary of Sophronia Winters from Suspense. First broadcast April 27th, 1943. It's late at night and a chill has set in. You're alone and the only light you see is coming from an antique radio. Listen to the sounds coming from the speaker, listen to the music, and listen to the voices. Suspense! Tonight, the diary of Sophronia Winters, starring Agnes Moorhead and Ray Collins. Suspense is presented for your enjoyment by Roma Wines. That's R-O-M-A, Roma Wines. Those excellent California wines that can add so much pleasantness to the way you live, to your happiness and entertaining guests, to your enjoyment of everyday meals. Yes, right now a glass full would be very pleasant as Roma Wines bring you... Suspense! This is the man in black, here for the Roma Wine Company of Fresno, California, who tonight from Hollywood bring you as stars Miss Agnes Moorhead and Mr. Ray Collins. Miss Moorhead and Mr. Collins will appear in a study in terror, written especially for them and for suspense by the distinguished radio playwright Lucille Fletcher. But before we take you to the scene of our drama, let's conjure up a scene of our own. Let's imagine ourselves in sun-drenched Havana, dining in the gay club Momart. As you listen to the music, you put down your wine glass to tell our host how much you enjoy his hospitality. Part of the credit belongs to Cuba, he smilingly acknowledges, but part of the credit belongs also to your country for producing this excellent wine which adds so much to our enjoyment. For this says Roma Wine from California in your own USA. Now, it is a fact that connoisseurs of many other lands know the excellence of Roma wines, made in famous wineries located in the heart of the choice wine districts of California. But millions of Americans also know these things and have made Roma by far America's largest selling wines. Here at home, Roma wines are truly inexpensive. No duty, no overseas shipping costs to pay. And for only pennies a glass... Your meals, your entertaining, can have the added delight of superb Roma wines. You will find them a truly excellent flavor and character. Fine products of age-old winemaking skill, 
perfected by modern quality controls and tests. Ask for R-O-M-A, Roma Wines, made in California, for enjoyment throughout the world. And now with the diary of Sophronia Winters, and with the performances of Agnes Moorhead and Ray Collins, we again hope to keep you in suspense. February 1st, St. Petersburg, Florida. I, Sophronia Winters, have hereby begun this diary because on this date I feel for the first time that I've begun to live. Diaries are no good unless one has thrilling experiences. For 40 years I've never had what could really be called a thrilling experience, but Papa's death has changed everything. Here I am in beautiful St. Petersburg with everything to start life anew, money and my purse, two suitcases full of new clothes, and a gorgeous new permanent wave. And Florida is really the land of romance. It doesn't matter whether you're 17 or 70. There are parties and dances and bingo games and flirtations for all. My landlady, in fact, tells me that people often become engaged and even married to perfect strangers overnight. I'm still shy, of course, but just the same, it's such fun and so thrilling to think one's fate may be just around the corner. February 3rd. Oh, diary, it is beginning. This morning when I came out of my lodging house to go down to the beach, I noticed a man, a thrilling-looking man, sitting across the street on a bench. It was just as though he were waiting for me, because when I came out, he sort of started up as though he knew me. Of course, I didn't speak first, but I, I knew the minute I started down the street that he was following me. Well, I got to the beach and sat down with my magazines, and suddenly there he was, strolling toward me with a broad smile. Well, sitting out here all by your lonesome. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes, I am. Been down here at St. Pete Long? Oh, just three days. Three days? That's a long time. It's a wonder I didn't spot you before. Oh, oh. Uh, Johnson's the name. Johnson. Hiram Johnson. I came from Green Harbor, Maine. Run a big hotel up there, Summers. Uh, well, that's my whole history in a nutshell. Oh, my name's Sophronia. Sophronia Winters. Sophronia? Yes. You know, that's quite a coincidence. My sister-in-law's name was Sophronia. Oh. Sophronia Johnson. You ever heard of her? She looked quite a bit like you, too. Sophronia Johnson? Mm hmm No, no, I'm afraid I haven't. Who was she? Someone very famous. I'm so ignorant about these things. Well, that's all right. Say, look at that sun, will you? I'd say it was pretty nearly time for lunch. You know, Sophronia, it's kind of mysterious us finding that nine-point starfish on the beach together. My sister-in-law, Sophronia, used to collect nine-point starfishes. To think your name's Sophronia. You find a nine-point starfish with me. Well, it, it kind of draws us together, huh? Diary, darling, he is wonderful. Strong, kind, warm-hearted, so generous. I feel as though I knew him completely. As though I'd known him all my life. What's the good of waiting, Sophronia? I've got to be back at the hotel in a week. We may never see each other again. Oh, Hiram, don't say that. I, I couldn't bear then it. Then let's do it right away, tomorrow. There's a parson out on Coral Avenue who'll do the job for us. We could take a nice moonlight drive out to the alligator farm. Afterward, have a nice short dinner. Then climb on board the Orange Blossom tomorrow night for Maine. Maine? Oh, it's all so wild, so mad, so thrilling. But what would your family think? Wouldn't they be shocked? Oh, my family's all dead. I'm my own boss. Oh, I'd have to help you run that big hotel. I, I wonder whether I could do it, meeting all those people. Oh, don't worry about that. Just think of Maine. The big, dark pine woods, the sand, the bay. The two of us alone together. The two of us alone together. <laughs> On board the Orange Blossom, I was married in a wedding dress of Alice Blue Moray with a frill of white organdy at the collar and wrists and a rhinestone belt buckle. Hiram sent me talisman roses. I'm pressing one precious flower between the pages of this diary for luck. We'll see it beyond this bend in a couple of minutes. Bags heavy? No, not particularly, dearest. Oh, I can't get over that taxi manifestation. Imagine his insolence, saying he didn't want to drive us. There's home. the place. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't want to look until I put down these bags. Now, where? There. 
through those big pines. Oh. But it is big, isn't it? 125 rooms. So many fire escapes and balconies and porches and towers. I, uh... I stayed in a hotel like that once years ago with Papa. It was very fashionable. And... My grandfather built that place 50 years ago. It hasn't been changed much since. No. <laughs> of course you put in modern plumbing. Not yet. Well, here we are. Walk in. What? What's that? Just a foghorn out in the bay. Fog? We get it almost every night in this kind of weather. What are you locking the gate for? Why not? There's nobody coming in after us. Or going out again for a while. But I thought you said the hotel... The hotel's empty. Empty? Hiram! What is it now? Hiram, darling, I know it sounds silly, but let's not go in there tonight. Let's... Let's wait until morning. Why? Oh, just because it's so dark and empty, there's not a light in the whole place and no one's expecting us. What'll we eat and where'll we sleep? Let's stay in the village just for tonight. I've got things to eat and a place to sleep. Come on. Oh, my arm! Hiram! Hiram! You remember my telling you down in Florida about my sister-in-law, Sophronia? Well, that's her over there on the wall. Take a look at her. Hiram, darling, just now you hurt me. Do you realize that? You twisted my arm. I said take a look at her. Tell me what you see. Well, the glass is very dusty. She must have died many years ago. Her face is sweet. It's very sweet. Her eyes, something very sad and wistful about her eyes. She was a murderess. She was hanged in Portland 25 years ago for the murder of my brother Ephraim. Here in the lobby of this hotel, she murdered him in cold blood with an axe. That fire axe hanging over there on the wall. It was a summer day. There were guests sitting on the front porch in the rockers. It was just after lunch. My brother Ephraim was sitting at the desk counting his loose change. My mother was crocheting an Adam Macassar in that old wicker rocking chair. Sophronia came downstairs, humming a hymn. Oh, don't, don't, Hiram. Please, don't tell me anymore. Why not? Well, it isn't. It makes me nervous to hear it like this in this big shadowy lobby. And your eyes, Hiram. Hiram, you're acting so strange. What's the matter with you, Hiram? I, I know it was a terrible tragedy, but it happened 25 years ago. Don't you... touch me, Sophronia. Don't... don't touch you. Do you remember what I said to you in Florida? What did you say? You, you said a million sweet and wonderful things to me, Hiram. I said you resembled my dead sister-in-law. Look at her again. Look at her closely. Sophronia. But why? Oh, no, I can't. It's too horrible. I can't look at her face with any pleasure now, knowing she was a murderer. You're afraid to look, is that it? No, not afraid. You... Please, my arm. Very well. I'll look. Now, stand there quietly. Like that. Um, take off your glasses. Ah, That's all I wanted to see. That's all. February 12th, Green Harbor Hotel, Maine. I cannot understand it. I try to fathom it, but my head aches and my heart is heavy. The hotel is deserted, unchanged, and apparently uninhabited for 25 years. Washbowls and pitches still stand in the empty rooms, covered with spiders and cobwebs. Dust is everywhere. And the printed regulations on the walls are tattered and yellow with age. A row of broken rocking chairs on the front porch faces emptily out to sea. Can he mean this to be my home? He's downstairs now in the shabby parlor off the lobby, playing the harmonium. Sophronia? Yes? Yes, Harold? Sleeping? No, dear. Why is your door locked? Uh, Come out. I want to show you around the place. It's, it, it's all right, dear. I, I've seen it. I, I've seen just about everything. No, no, you haven't. You haven't seen the grounds at all. The grounds? But, Hiram, it's after midnight. I want to show you where my sister-in-law, Sophronia, is buried. Well, now, not tonight, dear, please. It, it's so late and I have a headache. Open the door, Sophronia. I want you to come now. No. No, I shan't. Now, now go away and let me alone. I won't. 
I won't, I won't. I won't. It's no use carrying on like that. You see, I've got pass keys to all the doors. And beyond where those four birches are standing, it's where my sister-in-law, Sophronia, was laid away 25 years ago. It was the biggest funeral in the neighborhood. Folks crowded outside the gate with the dozens trying to get a look, but we wouldn't let them. Buried her ourselves, without a service, out here by herself on the grounds. Ephraim is buried in town, but not Sophronia. I had a feeling that I'd have to keep an eye on her even then. Keep an eye on her? Oh, I knew she was one of those restless sleepers who wouldn't stay quiet in her own grave. I knew before the year was out she'd find some way to start roaming around, hunting for mischief again. She was a young she-devil to the core, Sophronia. They could hang her till doomsday, and it wouldn't do any good. You mean... You mean you think she haunts this hotel? No, no. No, not this hotel. She never had any use for it, dead or alive. No. She makes for the warmer climates. She was always a cold-blooded little fish, freezing and shivering all the time. It's places like California and Texas. And Florida, she makes for her. Florida? Yeah, that's one of her favorite haunts. Particularly around St. Pete. She likes the flowers and the sun. And the romance. Hiram, I feel cold. Do you mind if I go inside now? Just a minute. I, I haven't explained everything. You think I'm crazy, I guess. Crazy. But I'm a lot smarter than some people give me credit for because you see, I have found her now three times. Do you um, see that grove of birches over there? Under every one of them's a grave. I've found her wandering the earth in disguise three times, and I've killed her three times, and it still doesn't do any good. She's still restless. You mean. You mean you've killed three different women? So now I keep another grave to remind her. It's waiting now. Would you like to see it, Sophronia? No. No, Hiram, no, please. please. Are you afraid to see it, no, Sophronia? I... No, I... Hiram, you don't mean to say that... That you think just because my name happens to be Sophronia that... And that I look a little like... Think what, Sophronia? Nothing. February 14th. My mind is made up. I've made a terrible mistake. I must get away from this place. I must get away from Hiram as quickly as I can. I shall wait for dusk. When he generally sits down in the parlor and plays the harmonium. <coughs> I can hide. I can hide. A little earlier. In one of the deserted rooms. And then... When his back is toward the lobby, slip out the front door. What's the matter? Anything wrong? No, Hiram. You didn't want anything outside, did you? Because if you do, you'll have to ask me to get it for you. You see, I always keep this front door locked. Yes, and yes, Hiram. And the back door, too. And all the doors leading out into the porches and the fire escapes and a good many of the windows makes one feel safe from thieves and peeping toms. Oh, you've got a cold. Oh, that's too bad. Yes. I must have caught it last night outdoors. You ought to be in bed. A good one. The only good bed in the house is in my sister-in-law, Sophronia's old room. Oh, no, no, Hiram. I'm all right. I'm all right. It's it's just a little head cold. Oh, little head colds often develop into pneumonia. It's too bad I didn't think of that before. You might have slept in it from the very beginning. Here, up these stairs. What's the matter? Are you so weak? No. No, I'm all right. This room's the cleanest in the hotel, too. I've always had a sort of suspicion about that. Yeah, you see? I've kept everything as it was. What's the matter? Uh, nothing. Nothing. It's, it's just... Seems kind of familiar? Uh, no, no. No, it's, it's... Just that seeing it so clean, seeing it as though someone were living there, as, as though they'd only just stepped out, 
Out for a moment? It's just as she left it that afternoon when she walked down to murder my brother. You see her needlework on the table with a needle sticking in it? Her hymn book still open? She was very fond of singing hymns, Sophronia was. Had a nice voice, too. I used to accompany her. I'll turn down the bed for you. Then you can get undressed while I go and make you some hot tea. No, I I don't want any. Here's the closet. You can put on one of Sophronia's dresses. Diary. I'm beside myself. I shall go mad. I shall go mad. Two hours have passed since he locked the door on me. Night has fallen. I'm alone. Alone in this horrible room with its hideous little momentous of death. I'm sitting here at her little wicker table, trying to be calm, trying to write this. Somehow, when one writes about a thing, it doesn't appear so real. My hand is just brushed against her needlework, her hymn book. I can't bear having them near me. I must get them out of my sight anywhere in that closet or bureau drawer. Ready for your tea? No. Yes, Hiram. Oh, why aren't you in bed? You'll take worse cold, you know. Well, I... I'll get in bed in a minute. Uh, first, I... Ah! Brushing up on your needlework again. My needlework? You, you've got it in your hand. Have I? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes, so I have. Oh, but I... I wasn't working on it, Hiram. I swear I wasn't. I, I, I've never done a stitch of needlework in my whole life. I don't know one embroidery stitch from another. Now, let me show you. Look, look, look. I don't even know how to hold the needle. No, get into bed, Sophronia. You're feeble. Before we go on, Hiram, before you go on thinking, I, we've got to have an understanding. You, you've got to let me explain. I was born in 1892 in Kalamazoo, Michigan. My name is Sophronia. That's true, but they name lots of people Sophronia. I, I was named for my grandmother. She just died. And... Yeah. Oh, no, no. You've got to listen to me. I lived in Kalamazoo all my life. My father was vice president of the Kalamazoo First National Bank. Everybody in town knew him, and they know me. If you'd only just write a or send it. Why, why? I never heard of Green Harbor in my whole life. I never went anywhere. No. For almost ten years, I stayed home day in and day out, nursing Papa. He had a stroke. I wasn't out of the house. It was a red brick house with green shutters. <laughs> February 15th. Now I live only from moment to moment, listening to each creak upon the stairs. Oh, my cold is growing worse. I've been in bed all day. It's night now. The foghorn isn't going to blow again. February 19th. I woke up early this morning after a wretched night, and the date was burning in letters of fire in my brain. If he's planning to kill me, it'll be today. But the hours have been crawling on. It's, It's almost midnight. Why does he torture me like this? I would rather be dead than sit here in this room one moment longer. If he doesn't come in five minutes, I shall force him to come. I shall beat on the door. No. No. Brother, let me sit quiet praying that he doesn't come. Oh, I want to live. I want to live. Sophronia! It's come. Sophronia, come downstairs. I want you to sing me a hymn. Sing? Sing? He never asked me to sing for him before. But she sang. I... I can't sing, dear. I, I told you that long ago. Did you? Well, I've forgotten. And besides... How can I come downstairs when my door is locked? It's unlocked. Try it. Unlocked. Oh, no. How could it? Oh, it is. It is, and I never knew it. I never knew it. Coming? Oh, we unlocked it sometime while I was just sitting. Why didn't I try a few more times? Romeo! Yes. Yes, Hiram. I'm coming. Hiram, where are you? In here, in the parlor. What are you doing there, Hiram? 
waiting to hear you sing. You're at the harmonium? Yes. All right. I'll sing. I, I haven't sung in years, but I might as well. I'll sing for you out here in the hall. My voice will carry better. It always did carry better in the hall, didn't it, Sophronia? So you remember that, too. Of course, you know both the front and back doors are locked. Yes, yes, Hiram, dear. Shall I sing, too, Sophronia? Would you like me to sing along with you? If it pleases you, Hiram. Work for the night is coming. Work in the morning sun. Work for the night is coming. When There's only one more page. Shall, shall I read it to you? Yes. Yes, go ahead. March 22nd. I've been sick, I think, for a very long time. The pages of my diary are blank, but I shall take you out again, poor diary, today and start you over again. No. No, I shall never look back at the other pages. I shall only write on and on about this nice, quiet place so that no one reading this diary will ever know that I did it. <laughs> but I did do it, diary. I was smarter than he. When I opened that door at the head of the stairs and heard the music, when I saw the fire axe still hanging on the wall, <laughs> I was so cautious, so terribly cautious. I tiptoed like a little mouse, even as I sang the hymn into that room where he was playing. If a reflection of that axe had so much as glimmered across the wood, if he had turned. But I was clever, so much cleverer than he. I kept on singing. <laughs> and now, now I'm free. Free as a bird. I'm free and he shall never catch me now. Not this time or ever again. Because he's dead. Isn't he, nurse? Nurse. Isn't my dear brother-in-law, Hiram, really dead? Yes, miss, he's dead. And now I'll thank you to hand me over that diary. The doctor doesn't approve of the patient's writing anything. And so closes the Diary of Sophronia Winters, starring Agnes Moorhead and Ray Collins. Tonight's study in... Suspense. Suspense is produced and directed by William Spear. It's my job, it's my privilege, to tell you how much pleasure and enjoyment you can add to everyday living by serving Roma wines with meals when entertaining or any time. And in hot weather, let me suggest... 
Roma Wine Cooler Offers. Just put ice cubes in a tall glass, half fill it with your favorite Roma Wine, then fill it up with sparkling water. For a sweeter drink, just add sugar and stir. Ah, that, my dear people, is really something. And it's so simple, so good, and so inexpensive. It's a fact. The cost of Roma Wines is only pennies a glassful. Get Roma Wines today. Enjoy them regularly. If your dealer is temporarily out, please try again soon. Just be sure you ask for R-O-M-A, Roma Wines, America's largest selling wines. Made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. Agnes Moorhead appeared through the courtesy of Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer and is currently being seen in their production, Dragon Seed. Next Thursday, same time, in an unusual feature performance, Suspense will bring you, in his first appearance, as an acting storyteller, the noted American novelist and playwright, Mr. Ben Hecht. Sharing honors with Mr. Hecht as star of the performance will be Mr. Frederick March. You won't want to miss hearing Frederick March and Ben Hecht in Actor's Blood, which will be next week's tale of Suspense. Presented by Roma Wines, R-O-M-A. Made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. That was The Diary of Sophronia Winters from Suspense here on the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society podcast. Once again, I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. That came to us from our listener and Patreon, Brooke. It was a recommendation from her. Thank you so much, Brooke, for a wonderful and great uh, suggestion for so many reasons. Agnes Moorhead, it's Suspense. It's Lucille Fletcher. So let's start delving into this. I, for a change, knew what was coming the entire episode, that she was actually going to be that Sophronia from the grave. I know. Not that anything told me that. I was expecting that. You get what I'm saying? They didn't telegraph it. It wasn't poorly done in any way. I just, for some reason, went, Oh, I bet you it's really her. And then it was. And I went, oh. Or is it? Oh. I, she said at the end. Uh, she took on the identity in my interpretation. In oh. The end. Here we go. Good. Make this better for me. I think that's a legitimate interpretation. I just think ours is far more satisfying. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I'll tell you why. Because I think there's just more ironic richness to the idea that uh, he basically turned her into the thing he was... Oh, uh, this insane guy by obsessing on his sister-in-law made her believe that she was and oh, she kills him. That's all new to me. Never thought of it that way. I just thought I think the cue for that interpretation is the fact that she is in a hospital Psychi- psychiatric. Yeah, there's hospital. a nurse talking to her and a lot of time has elapsed because her last diary ac- entry is February 19th and I think she picks up her diary and talks about all the blank pages and says it's March 22nd or something like that. One of these times I'm going to say something and you guys are going to say, yeah, that's exactly right. Nailed it. No, Nailed it. I'm sure there are many people out there who heard this and um, took that line of reasoning or also prefer it. So I, it's not wrong. Right. I'll tell you when you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> the, I don't the know if I prefer that, it. that uh nudges me towards believing that she took on the identity rather than actually was her was the other four women he had killed that this was like the fifth time he tried it and like maybe maybe it is true like fifth time got her i actually found her ghost out i think world. it was three oh. not that it matters it I think was she three was the fourth. it's okay ha ha Tim. <laughs> yeah eric's like i was right about that <laughs> <laughs> well what happened to that fourth girl i buried <laughs> but he killed those girls as retribution, revenge, etc., so on. Why does he not kill this one? Because she killed him first. But he had plenty of opportunity. Do you he know what wanted I'm to torment her, and uh, we don't know. Did he torment all right, the others? Right, we don't know. For some reason, again, they didn't tell me this, 
It's like, oh, he saw him on the street, followed him home, killed him. <laughs> like it was quick. <laughs> oh, I got to kill her. But this one he married and brought home. Because keep in mind, this is revenge. And yep. so he wants to, I think, really savor the moment. It's also and ritually the recreating knife. this traumatic event for him. Yeah. So I, he I, could have dragged the others out too. Uh, yeah, which is also part of why in my head, like he is trying to recreate Sophronia. But then how weird that he actually found a woman that looked like her and was named Sophronia. Based on the description, though, he supplied a lot of the, you look just like her. You get the idea that he finds somebody with that name. They all had that name? That is, yeah, that is probably... So he found all four of the people that exist in the world with that name. <laughs> <laughs> or he might have actually finally found someone actually named Sophronia. Right. The others may have been like, I'm Janice, Sophronia, so nice to meet you. Isn't her picture up, though? Yeah, but he keeps pointing like, see, look harder. You, and he's she never described in great detail. On how much she looks like the portrait. That, that would have been the tell for me. Yeah. But she doesn't say that. So my guess is it was another young woman vaguely like his sister-in-law. Right. You have he, two ears like Sophronia did. He has you to. and your nose. <laughs> In his insanity, he has to convince himself as well as the person for the satisfaction he's going to get out of uh, murdering them that he believes she is Sophronia and she does too. So that he's actually exacting revenge on the person. I'm going to throw a little shade on the seal Fletcher here. It's coming. Um, the arc of like, oh, I'm a young woman who's just in Florida for the first time. And it's so exciting. And what if I meet someone and I'm married and I'm going with this stranger to Maine because he owns a hotel. And oh, I'm this is an abandoned house and I'm stuck here. Well, one, it made you lose some sympathy for this character mm-hmm. of like, sure, I know in the time what was expected. But it, like, is she 14? I mean, what? how did... But she does do one interesting thing when uh, Agnes Moorhead had a great performance from her. Uh, she has that breakdown monologue where she's saying, I'm not, I'm not Sophronia. I, I lived in this house and I did this. And yep. she mentions her father had the stroke and she was basically shut True. in with him for 10 years. So I, A, from her performance and some of the things she said at the top, and B, from that monologue, I, I tend to believe that she is extremely naive for her age. She is ripe for predation from someone like this guy. I mean, I don't think anything of what you're saying is is wrong, but that's what tempered my interpretation. Yeah, my experience in in that first half, which I found frustrating, but to uh, retract some shade, that ending scene with the singing the hymn, I, I thought like, all right, this is totally worth it. Even as frustrated as I was with this character, it was worth getting to this scene. That scene is chilling radio drama. The diary entries are set up in a way that the narrator could be killed. Mm -hmm. And we could just see her last diary entry, and then we get to see what she did. We're not starting at the end of the story at the top in the past tense narration, right? Right. So, like, know what the last entry is. I didn't necessarily guess that she was going to grab the axe and kill him, but I knew one of them was going to die in that moment because it's basically a two-hander, except for those couple lines from the nurse. They're the only two actors, uh, Moorhead and Collins, mm-hmm. in it. And they do really successfully like fill the story. It wasn't until it was over that I realized it was just them. Mm-hmm. I get what you're saying, Tim, in that yes. Lucille Fletcher has to build a contrivance to get where she wants to go. But I think she does uh, some deft things that make me retroactively forgive it. I think, it, and not even judging on contrivance, and... Uh, um I say throwing shade at Lucille Fletcher only because it is a thing in the script, which was tough for me, is it was hard for me to follow that character um, mm-hmm. and to, like, I don't want to be dragged along in this series of bad decisions. Yeah, it's terrifying, that moment, because you as the listener know she's doing a stupid thing. Yeah. And so that moment when he gets her out to that hotel in Maine and she looks at it and looks at him. And, and then he goes in. Yeah. The, well, no, the pennies oh. drop where she says, like, we should stay somewhere else. Yeah. Like, it hasn't completely dropped, but she knows nothing good can happen in that place. And he has to grab her by the arm and drag her in there. And then the jig is up. Hotel New Hampshire. <laughs> by John Irving. Yeah. yeah. You ever seen the movie? Oh, the movie. I was like, I thought you read the book. That's the, no. That was the look of like, what? No. <laughs> But that's the hotel I pictured in my head Oh, from the movie. <laughs> like where it was sitting, the surrounding, the Lady look of it. Lady in the bear suit. 
someone in a bear suit constant wasn't it natasha kinski yes in a bear suit anyway point is is that i were lots of things about that movie not just natasha kinski <laughs> oh i love that movie <laughs> we so learned one thing defensive. that day sorrow floats that's the dog when he dies and i, I love that movie anyway the point is that i pictured that hotel too. <laughs> what's that it, said, it was a book too yeah yeah John big Irving's empty big empty hotel novelist. right no one is going to, and, and the family is just in it. It made me think of Psycho. It made me think of The Haunting of Hill House, that description of it. It yeah. just radiated evil. The balconies and uh, fire towers, escapes yeah. and towers. It didn't make a lot of sense, almost. I couldn't, in in a way that was really scary, I couldn't quite picture it. Yeah. If it Those elements films, didn't you go together. A, a picture of the building, you had to get, like, pieces. I did. Just a hotel, New Hampshire. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Is I just the entire show from that point on took place in there. So everywhere they were going in there, I think the other one that popped in my head was the uh, one from Shining. There are a lot of scary uh, hotels out there. Oh, there's some in South Minneapolis. I can bring it to. <laughs> that was a weird offer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's vote quick. I have a hotel to take you to. Performance-wise, I did want to mention that I really liked Ray Collins' early performance when he's courting her in uh, Florida because it's very clear that something's off. Yeah. Yeah. But he doesn't telegraph it in performance. His performance is really natural, and he is warm, and he is nice. His obsession about his sister-in-law and the weird nine-point starfish, this was meant to be. But like he doesn't over-egg the pudding. He saves all his crazy for that moment mm-hmm. at the hotel. And then you get the added bonus that then he's just like, I'm going to chew the scenery now. <laughs> now I'm going to let out all the crazy. Over egg the pudding. <laughs> 1850s <laughs> scrimshaw well, from he Britain. he doesn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> that was the opening line to a Louisa May Alcott book. <laughs> <laughs> It's a legitimate expression today, because I just said it on a <laughs> podcast, which is super futuristic. Yeah, we can make some swag and put that on a petticoat. <laughs> <laughs> Over egg the pudding is now part of the lexicon yeah, of this podcast. We're going to have to have an apron. <laughs> the morals over egging the pudding apron. <laughs> I don't even know how to make pudding other than the mix. <laughs> like just... Any egg is too much egg in the mix. <laughs> right? <laughs> I've never... Oh, God. How am I embarrassed by your ignorance? I don't know how this, like, <laughs> the cheesing works here. <laughs> no. I, I don't think about pudding. It's, you know what it is. It's you and your British television. Britbox is awesome, Britbox. guys. You're, you're missing That's out. where Over Egg no, the Pudding came from. Um, back to the amazing performances. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to kind of put us in the uh, temporal mindset of this coming out a couple months before Sorry, Wrong Number. Uh, yeah, right. To me, I was immediately struck by the really impressive voice work of Agnes Moorhead, considering these were both in the same season of... Suspense, where this just soft, demure voice. She de-ages herself by fifteen years, and then think of Mrs. Stevenson. This she sort of brat, sound... this really just harsh, grating, old yep, invalid yeah. voice. She doesn't sound like Agnes Moorhead in this at all. If you didn't tell me this was Agnes Moorhead, I would never have known. I don't even catch a nuance of her. You get it when she starts to get a little hysterical. She has these like very characteristic Agnes Moorhead moments toward the very end. But you're right. Early on, I would just be like, oh, yeah, this is is before they had a lot of famous people on suspense. I I don't recognize this voice. Do you happen to know this may be an off air question if the Mackenzie McCambridge version exists? Mercedes McCambridge. What did I say? Mackenzie McCambridge, who is like a 70s porn star. I don't know. Probably. (laughs) Mercedes McCambridge. She started egging the pudding. (laughs) (laughs) Too much egg in the pudding. Just enough egg. Does the Mercedes McCambridge version exist? I don't know. It's from. I would love to hear it. 
I would guess it probably does because most of that era of suspense exists. But it, I think it's from the era where they're very truncated. So I bet it's a shortened version of the script. Um, maybe it's earlier 50s when they were doing the full length. But they had to um, cut down a lot of scripts that they repurposed because commercial radio required commercials at the time. I, I hope it, it, it would be fascinating. I want to hear it. Yeah. Any other thoughts? One of the other things that I think Lucille Fletcher does really well that she doesn't have to. And this is where I think it benefits to not give all the jobs just to men. Weird. But uh, I've read again and again these narratives that use the diary entries as as a form. But she finds these narrative spots to really authenticate it as a young, naive girl's diary. Mm-hmm. Like She takes the time to do this incredibly uh, detailed entry about the clothes uh, she wore at her wedding. Mm-hmm. Every detail about the dress, which this character would totally write in great detail in her diary. It's not really needed at that point in that you know this character. It doesn't really add to what you already know. But it makes you believe this is actually her diary and not just a narrative contrivance. And it even ends that little detail about, like, I'm going to press the flower yeah. from the wedding in my diary. Yep. And it's like, oh. Those are the kind of things that uh, lift a somewhat straightforward plot. And all of it comes alive in the little details. Yeah. I'm going to say it one more time because I don't think we have um, really given it enough um, love, I guess is the word I'm looking for. I don't know why I had a hard time coming up with the word love. (laughs) Are you looking for love? It's a modern Uh, word. um... (laughs) We haven't given it enough Egg in the pudding. (laughs) We're over-loving the pudding, guys. Calm down. No, that amazing hymn. It called to my Night of the Hunter. I mean, it's a different beast, but I can't not mention the comparison. Yes, I love Night of the Hunter. Have you ever seen that film? Amazing film. Everyone, pause this podcast (laughs) and go watch Night of the Hunter. It's on Amazon Prime right now. You're right. That was great. (laughs) (laughs) The last thing I want to say, and it is to go back to Eric's reading of the end. There are some nice hints earlier that can be read both ways toward her actually being a reincarnation of the original Sophronia, or it's maybe just foreshadowing her madness. But there's a moment early on where she says, I feel as though I know him completely, as though I'd known him all my life, Mm. you know? This could easily fit into that reincarnation thing, or it could just be that sort of typical young romantic hyperbole. Uh, the uh, We have not yet mentioned, and I'm just fascinated to dwell on, what this messed up relationship this guy was with his brother and his sister-in-law. He's so obsessed with... Thruple. Maybe? Maybe it was brotherly incest thing that like oh, who knows it's just weird and creepy he seems deeper involved than a, an average uh sister-in-law yeah. brother and i get that you'd be mad about do, it yeah do you need an incestuous sort of three-way relationship to be um distressed at someone who murdered it's your just brother? trying to interpret that intense level of reaction i just yeah. need an incestuous three-way relationship <laughs> <laughs> i'm kidding everybody kidding my He's fine on his three-way incestuous <laughs> relationships. He's totally satisfied with what he has. <laughs> uh, Dear family, please don't listen to episode 308. <laughs> All right, should we vote? Yes. Joshua, you get to start. I would call this a lesser classic. I do not think it is um, Lucille Fletcher's best script by any means, which says a lot about how good of a suspense writer Lucille Fletcher is. Mm-hmm. I think it as I mentioned earlier, comes alive in all the details. It's a pretty straightforward suspense-style plot. It's got great performances, the usual amazing suspense, production values, uh, what is a stone-cold classic, as Tim already mentioned, and forgives a lot of other aspects of the simple quality of the story is that murder during the hymn. Just well done, so simple, so perfect for radio. Definitely many, many other um, Lucille Fletcher scripts I would rate higher this, including Fugue and C Minor, which it reminded me a lot of. Oh, yeah. And I think it is a stronger 
more complex iteration of this. Yeah, this will speed things up. Everything you just said. That's exactly how I feel about this. Yeah, I'll go along with that. Like, like I say, the the one thing that would make me hesitate to say, everyone must listen to this, is I don't always enjoy going along with a character who uh, you are active, making bad decisions, making me go with you, um, that other people might like. That's fine. I am happy to watch other people make bad decisions, but uh, that was a small price to pay for admission to this otherwise fantastic story. Tim, tell them stuff. Please, go visit ghoulishdelights.com. That's where this podcast lives. Um, you know, it's abandoned. There's a big painting of its sister-in-law there. but uh, <laughs> You uh, look just <laughs> like her, listener. <laughs> you can uh, comment on our episodes. You can vote in polls. Let us know what you think. Did you like it? Did you think it was a classic? Say something. You can send us messages. You can link to our social media pages. You can link to our Threadless store, which is where we have our swag. You can buy a t-shirt, a tote bag. We might even still have shower curtains for sale. I don't remember. Uh, and you can link to our Patreon page. Yes, go to patreon.com slash the morals and gosh darn it, support this podcast. We could really use the support. We're really hitting middle age. Our and pudding's stuff. under-egged. Yeah, stuff's sagging. Our pudding ain't what it used to be. <laughs> so uh, go to patreon.com slash the morals and give us money if you'd today. Like to, right. Right now. If you'd like to see us performing live, the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society Theater Company does live audio drama performances on stage of classic old-time radio drama and a lot of our own original work. Come see us perform audio theater by going to ghoulishdelights.com or mysteriousoldradiolisteningsociety.com. And there you will see where we're performing and what we're performing and how to get tickets for every show every month. And if you can't make it, for whatever reason, we encourage you to try to make it because have some dinner. And they're great places. We're, it makes it sound like we're going to pay for it. We're no, we're not it. paying for dinner. <laughs> but great food. food, great drinks. It's, they're great venues, but... Uh, uh, great. You've got a harmonium and a fire axe on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> we'll sing some hymns. They make some really good eggless pudding. <laughs> and then uh, you have over-egged the pudding on that joke. <laughs> yes, we have. We are kind of gilding the lily. Oh. oh, what a stupid old expression, Tim. Where'd you come up with that, Britbox? <laughs> Actually, I thought it was really good. It was very timely. <laughs> Uh, what? Oh, if you're a Patreon, you get to see those uh, shows because we film them and give them to you. Okay, where were we? Uh, what's coming up next? Next is part one of a four-part Halloween series we are calling Monsters on the Air. And our first monster is the werewolf, as depicted in Death Prowls by Night from The Shadow. Until then... I watched Night of the Hunter again! <laughs> Did you like that part of the night when there was the hunter? <laughs> 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 <laughs>